Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1030, uh, Irvine, California, November 15, 16. I will be there doing two shows each night. And then in December, uh, clicking ahead, December 12, 13, 14, Tacoma, Washington at the Tacoma Comedy Club. Go to, uh, well, you can just Google either of those, Irvine Improv or um, Tacoma Comedy Club, or you can just go to ID10T.com slash tour. Uh, where we have a fun Jetsons shirt now, which may be inspired by a fun interdimensional uh, grandfather and grandson uh, jumping around the multiverse show. So uh, go there and look at stuff. Also sign up for the email list. All right, great. Um, If you have a thing you want to promote, you can uh, email us at events at id10t.com, like Megan who writes, I'm writing to invite your listeners in the Los Angeles area to the ECF Art Center's Fall Open House and Art Sale on Saturday, November 9th from 1 to 4 p.m. at the downtown Los Angeles Art Center at 431 South Broadway. The ECF Art Centers are a nonprofit organization providing adults with developmental disabilities a place to explore their creativity and freedom of expression. Join us for our Fall Open House and Art Sale, which includes still life drawing sessions and incredible installations through the Gallery and Art Center. Many of the artists working in the studios at ECF create comics, zines, and illustrations that are sure to appeal to any street art and gaming enthusiasts. For more information, please visit the website artecf.org. Thank you, Megan. Again, events at id10t.com. This episode is Lake Bell, who is uh, promoting season two of Bless This Mess, the ABC show. Episodes are Tuesdays at 8.30, and they're also at abc.com. Lake is a powerhouse of comedic and creative brilliance, and it is... If you have any pull to get involved in a creative endeavor, I think you'll enjoy this extra enjoy this podcast and also just enjoy Lake Bell as a human being because um, there's just a lot of really great stuff in here about embracing who you are, playing to your strengths, finding out the kinds of things that you're passionate about, all those just those unique things that make you and help you establish your voice. And then also just kind of going out there and, and making it happen. So Lake is not only hilarious, uh, but also incredibly inspirational as a creator. So I was really glad to sit down and, and talk with her. We've had, we have a lot of the same mutual friends and we've been in a lot of the same things and we've actually never like had a full conversation. So now I'm happy to say that we've become friends after this podcast and I'm so glad that we did. This is the ID10T podcast number 1030 with Lake Bell. Initiating ID10T protocol. <laughs> I gotta. I have to credit L- L- Lydia's wallpaper and curtain game is insane. Well, also the fixtures. We have to. I mean, that um, chandelier or whatever is the fixtures. I did pick out the fixtures. They're great. But um, and and the logs Look and everything. This. It's very classy. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's a fun. 
it's just fun. It's it's because I feel like what. Yeah, but not everybody takes the time and effort to kind of make their environments. I, you know what it is, like Belle. I think it's that what we do is very hard to. The 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 when you're a performer is very hard to see tangible results, and so we're always looking to like. Am I working? Are people showing up to my shows? Am I getting off? Like, we have all these weird metrics to determine yeah. whether or not we're doing the it's thing that we... Yeah. And the great thing about restoration, or, the, or at least, you know, Very design, good. is that Satisfying. you can, like, live in the thing. And you go, this is it. I, I made it. And oh, yeah. this is a physical I love it. representation of what I did. I mean, I... Are we recording? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because I was going to say, I sort of deeply um, relate to that and I've always you know I grew up with my mom and um, my mom's an interior decorator but she's also, she's like a classicist you know and my stepbrother who I grew up with since I was like two is literally like a he's one of the few classical architects in the country I mean he travels and and does you know he's like a master of it you know he does some of the most remarkable work and um, the attention to detail and kind of obsession and kind of peace that I find in in aesthetic is a huge part of why it was imperative that I like become a director because yeah. it was, you know, uh, composition and texture and, um, and all of that gives me great peace. And I used to feel kind of guilty that, you know, it was, or not guilty, but I sort of judged myself for needing thing, you know, the visuals of a room that I inhabit to be a certain way. And, uh, you know, people are like, oh, you're a control freak. I'm like, I actually, <laughs> I actually find, I, my mom and I talked about it and I was like, she was like, no, no, no. You know, there is great peace in expressing yourself. It, she's like, it's an art form to kind of put together a room or an environment. It's mm -hmm. like, it's a storied environment, yeah. right? Like, and that, and I was like, oh yes, that's what it is. It's like. If you're directing something and you have a frame and you can kind of populate that frame, that increment of space with a story, like that was deeply appealing to me. Sure, and, but uh, but director is also like 20 jobs, and which is yes. so overwhelming to me because, uh, you know, if we're, if we're going with this analogy of uh, interior design and restoration, I feel like a director is not only the architect, but also the contractor. Like, you have to totally. pick out the subcontractors yes. of, like, lighting and editing and, and it's DP. True. And so you have to design and also do all of the... Well, the... and also find emotionality and, and like, the, the texture <laughs> and of... All that uh, yeah, 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 the tone and the sort of... But, but I am inherently, like, a, a multitasker, and I, I think... I would be very bored to only do the visuals, right? So, sure. So it's like it is the visuals – I mean not to sound like uber pretentious, but it's really true that like the visuals is a mood, right, which is emotional, you know? And so that informs like what you see in the space and how you feel in the space as an actor is like, ooh, like even when you put on your wardrobe for the first right. time for a character, you right. go, ooh, okay, I kind of know who this person is. Sure. You know, It's like putting on the kind of – um, visual sort of cloaks of who who this person is, who this whole world, what this world is going to be. And that, you know, especially it starts with the words. It starts with how you sort of build kind of even just the prose of the general kind of description of the room. And then what that translates to is like, it, I really love that kind of multifaceted, intricate kind of layered 4D way of expressing. <laughs> That's uh, a good way to put it. It's yeah. sort of 4D, it, 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 but also the idea that you 
because you've directed yourself as an mm-hmm. actor too, which to me is seems like how does someone how do you how are you able to you know like remove all of the big picture stuff in your head where the director brain and just focus on the moment the performer brain without judging the right. two and getting in the way of each other well i think that there is a squeamishness that some people feel that oh god i can't see myself do acting you know mm-hmm. and i don't have that thing so i because i noticed i was like hmm, why is it that people find that so weird and i go oh okay so when i look at myself i can kind of look when i look at playback usually i can feel it whether i'm connected or not but if i look at playback and i see the take i go oh, she's phoning it in mm-hmm. i always refer to myself <laughs> in the third person and like it gets very i think it's very annoying for people initially to hear me refer to myself as she or the character but I think I just do, I've gotten so used to it. I just kind of like, that's how I compartmentalize it. And I just, you know, when I'm editing myself, I'm kind of like, uh, you know, she had a better take like three takes ago. What was that? Can we pull that up? Cause she, see that? Yeah. See that? I feel like I don't believe her there. And now I believe, you know, it's like, it's helpful for me to kind of take a step back and just kind of be a little bit more objective yeah, and then objectively definitely. also commending myself for the right thing. Right. Right. Sort of going, Oh, that worked. You know, I can say that worked in, without feeling like I'm fanning myself. It's literally like <laughs> that worked or that didn't, yeah. you know, that's not like an emo- That That's just like, that's, that's instinctually, I can just see it. You know what I mean? So it, I do. It's a very, not only is it a, it's sort of a, a protective thing for yourself, but it also is very efficient because very efficient. when you're – if you're able to see yourself as a third person, like you said, you're not internalizing all of that like, oh, I didn't – I didn't do a good take. Oh, no. Now I feel oh, bad uh, as yeah, opposed to like – Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> yeah to, to, to wallow in it, yeah. right? Right. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, she really dropped the ball. Okay, that's fine. Well, we'll use this take of her. And so, <laughs> totally. Like, I, we have it. That, yeah. that completely makes sense. Right. And I've never heard that point of view before because most people – I feel like don't, you know, performers don't direct themselves. Even like, you know, when Jordan Peele started directing, I was like, oh, would you direct yourself? He was like, no, I don't think so. You know, because it just the idea of of being in it that much is is feels like a lot. I feel like it, it, it and it is a lot. And I don't I feel like I really choose my moments when I do it because it is it takes so much. I mean, I'll like cry at the end of a day. I'll keep it. I'll be like badass motherfucker all throughout the day. And then I'll come home and I'll cry You sure. know what I mean? because I got to release something. Yeah. So it's like I admit that pretty openly because I it's more just like over what you know, I have to I I'm I so work on like overdrive. I'm just like, you know, because I firing on so many cylinders, um, managing personalities as well as, you know, keeping um, track of, you know, the story I want to tell or how I want to tell it and and visually how I want to express it. So it's just like it's overwhelming, and oh so God. I would choose I I choose my moments, you know. Um, but that said, sometimes I think it's it. I just think it's easier to cast myself in something that is really that I'm really right for. Sure, because I would never cast myself that I'm not right for it. Sure, you know what I'm saying like. I I think it's like, well, it's easier for me to just put myself in it because I know how to fucking do that. You know, it's like, that's going to be easy. I can talk to the actor, right? you know, the lead actor and just tell her what to do, a.k.a. me. And it sounds like very schizophrenic. But the point is, I it, it's just like, the, again, it comes back to efficiency. I'm like, right. it's just efficient if I play it because right, it make right. it easier. Yeah, but also, but having that sort of, you know, realistic knowing, like, yeah. I just, I know that I'm right for this. I mean. Totally. If I wasn't right for it, I'd be like, I, I, like, 
I, as a director, I don't want me in it because it would be a pain in the ass. I wouldn't be getting it right. Well, that's just having a healthy perspective, like having a healthy understanding about yourself. But you sort of, you said it really quickly, but I I do want to point out that it's no small task. The managing of personalities is a whole other layer to that cake where it's like, because everyone has their own vernacular and their own way that they need to be talked to and their own yeah. um, vocabulary and sort of figuring that out. I feel like that I really learned from like, yeah, I'm a child of divorce. And like, <laughs> I have, you know, managed personalities and... um I have a big family of of all different, you know, there's haves and steps and, um, you know, remarriages and marriages, you know, and then like your step parents' family, you know, it just keeps going. And I I feel like I've just been like a little people pleasy as a kid, as we all kind of have in this industry. And I feel like there's been a lot of like reading a room like so people don't get mad you know and if you can see me you can't see me but i'm doing a lot of like yeah. weird um arm movements to, to kind sort of, of like read the room through yeah the, yeah children divorce are real good at reading rooms yeah i'm like okay feel it feel okay no yeah. joke right now no joke right up oh, time for a joke yeah. here we go gonna break up the tension yeah break it up a little comedy yeah. bomb oh, everyone's yeah. laughing now okay I'm everything's like, oh, good not appropriate yeah. no. okay okay good i feel that too i'm <laughs> gonna respectfully bow down. You passed yeah. the test. That was me yeah. testing the room, and you passed. You're and right. You passed. That was inappropriate. Yes. Good for you. Good. And, Good. And now I, we can get back to work. Yeah, I feel like that has, and even that, like, like the human condition in those different um, environments, find, I find really interesting too. Sure. Which, as a writer, as you know, it's like that's really cool. Like yes. all the awkwardness and all the kind of like sweaty, <laughs> cringy. Like people not saying things that they, it was so obvious what they're saying, and yet no words have been said. Right. Like all of that stuff, I find like getting goosebumps because I get so excited about, um, you know, he, humans yeah. <laughs> in, in, in their own sort of environments and ecosystems in which, you know, there's so much comedy and drama to be had. So I don't know. I just, I love what we do. I think it's really cool. And I, I feel, so I, I especially just doing this TV show, we talk about personalities and, um, you know, being an executive producer, you have even more personalities to deal with. I've mm-hmm. never worked for a studio, for instance. Now I work for a studio and a network right. and I have my whole ecosystem on set. So <laughs> so it's like now there's like a new there's even a new slew. Oh, I people. welcome this new group of notes <laughs> yes. coming in. Notes and 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 there's you know everybody are everybody's people, you know. Like, oh yes, I do think my character would wear these shoes, but thank you for asking that very important question. But I mean shoes, schmooze. I mean we got to talk like we're talking like you know, that gets down to the nitty gritty. And then it's just like, I, I feel like when you're answering to so many people, there is almost a sense of like, well, I know this is, I had to, I knew going into making a show for a network that like, this is not one of my indie movies. You know, this is not like an indie film where I wrote and directed and produced and starred and I get to make every decision, you know. Like, I know that. So I I was like curious and also challenged and like wanted to know what this whole network sure. studio stuff is. Like, yeah. I was like, I feel like I can do that, you know. And why don't I – I would love to bring the, like, the little, like, funnies and the t- the tone of the funnies that I do to, like, a big broad audience. Yeah. 
and see if that could work. Because I always felt like with my movies, yes, people would be like, you know, there would be a select group of people who would be like, oh, I really like your movie. And I saw it at this art house, you know, film, right. you know, cinema. And I'd be like, and I love that. And I just, I just, I always crave to kind of bring good vibes because I do feel like I always try to inject some just good vibes, kind spirit, you know, good, being good to others without being saccharine, you know, in your comedy and in, in the tone. That I wanted to bring to a, a broader audience, especially now because we're in such a divisive state. <laughs> you know, it was like, that's the least I can do, I hope. Well, I do think, I mean, yes, I, I agree that that uh, infusing positivity into a culture that is uh, addicted to um, outrage and, yeah. and, and toxicity, toxicity is... But I, I will say this, I do think that a lot of the toxicity is manufactured. Um, I don't, I do believe that there are horrible things. Yes, of course there are horrible things going on in the world, but I just think that the proximity that people have, like if, if social media is like right up against their nose and their news cycles are right up against their nose, they will think a hundred percent of the world is a horrible place Sure, because sure. that is what creates engagement. That is what sells. That is what the algorithms pick up to you know, get people in, involved so that they can sell banner ads. But, but at the same time, I do think it's important to take a step back and realize that uh, that is not the full scope of the world. It's not the full scope. I mean, I do feel that that you know there is a lot of darkness um, in the world, and it's always been there. And I think that. Um, in the same way that there is vast amounts of light and um, goodness in people. And I think people are born good, you know. Um, I just feel like, you know, I have kids and obviously I have a family. And, and you know, it's it, – it, you know, the darkness is just a little bit more – aggressive when you become a mom or a dad you know it's to like protect them you want yeah to protect you just them. get ferocious about how can i god damn how can i help you know what can i do i have no superpower you know and i remember being like oh this is stupid comedy <laughs> why why is this helping anything you know and then i started to like meditate on it and i was like well if the smallest thing that i could do is just like when I see something that makes me laugh or makes me feel good, you know, it, the way that I take steps into my mundane, the mundane things of life, like driving through traffic or picking up a cup of coffee or going to the grocery store, I do feel different than if I have listened to the news or listen, watch something very dark or listen to some sort of like crime, you know, yeah. like the way that I walk through life is different in that moment. So if I could just create something that in general, the breath of it, you feel good after, you know, right. like the, the, what resonates with you is just like, ah, oh, like I have a smile in my fucking like aura or whatever. Yeah. Like I know it sounds very woo woo, but I do think that's actually powerful because then if like somebody cuts you off in, in traffic, you know, and the little thing that I did was they just watched like an episode of Bless This Mess or I Do Until I Don't or whatever, something sweet and yeah. hopeful, then maybe they won't be like, fuck you, man, fuck you, fuck a piece of shit, you know? <laughs> and like that thing, because sometimes I see that and I'm like, what do you do? Like, what are you doing? And yeah. I'm like, they must have not watched the last they episode. They didn't watch the last yeah. episode, which because is coming out September 24th, yeah. the new one. 
to then, cure all your road exactly rage. exactly so it's like oh tuesday nights you know abc <laughs> or so Hulu. wednesday mornings you're gonna have yeah. great traffic karma but yeah. i you know but i don't but i i don't i think we as performers like especially as com- as comedy performers do tend to downplay like yeah whatever you know we're clowns i know but i will say this I think the perception, I think the sort of the wide perception by the country of performers is probably like, especially if you watch award shows, is that all performers think we're curing all sorts of diseases. Well, yeah, and, no. and that we're real high on what we do. But to me, where I think it really pays off, it's like, no, no, we're not curing diseases. But you know what we do as performers is that if on Tuesday nights, if <laughs> a parents and their kids get together and they watch a thing together and they have a moment and they laugh together or they're relating to one another in real life and forgetting about the toxic news cycles or forgetting about whatever shitty things happened in that day. That has tremendous value. I'm sure people have said to you or, you know, any any of the myriad of performers that we know, you know, I was having a really bad day. I listened to you on a podcast. I watched your show. I heard this comedy thing you did. And it really helped. Like, and we also do that too. We I watch do. Stuff, oh my god! Of course. So it does have value in that way. Oh, a thousand percent. Like I, I admit. I mean, it's so funny because we're basically going straight. We're taking a train straight to laughter is the best medicine. Um, <laughs> when, when, when actually medicine is the best medicine, yeah, but laughter yeah, is medicine good. Medicine is very medicine good is for you. General, if you're in a hospital, uh, request medicine. Call, go to a doctor. Not call nine one one. Don't, don't yeah. see a clown if you're Linda. Yes, please, for the love of God. Uh, but um, I do think, for me personally, yeah, I, 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 you know, have felt really dark, and then I'll just like. You know, put on my favorite comedy album or something like that, you know, and I'll just listen to it again. It's 100% like necessary. I sometimes I come home and um, if I've had a really stressful day at work and I will listen to like a great comedy album or something like that and I'll laugh really hard or if I laughed really hard at, at work, like I, I cut up, like I lost it, you know, because yeah. very, it's very rare that I really will like lose it because it's like I'm the producer, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I got to get shit done and I got to make my day. But um, but like sometimes we, you know, you squeal out of control and you cannot. You have to think of dark <laughs> shit. You're like, don't, oh my god, I'm ruining these takes. <laughs> and when that happens, I always drive home and I go, I, I bet I like, I feel like I worked out. You know what I mean? Like I feel like I, a little healthier. Like I'll probably yeah. like I, it was like if you really laugh, like you know the kind that you can't even control, like that. I feel like I always. It's almost like having ashwagandha or something. You know what I mean? Well, like but usually those moments where you laugh, where you where your stomach hurts so much. A lot of times, those are times when you should not be laughing. Of course, where you're supposed I mean, to be quiet. You're at a presentation. You're at a family thing. You know, God forbid you're at a funeral and something just gets in you because you're so stressed and it's just that defense mechanism and you just start giggling and you go, my God, am I a bad person? It's like, no, your body's trying to process and deal. Like you're trying to, this is your body trying to protect itself, you know? Yeah. I mean, I just always, yeah, I feel like, oh, this is good. I like added years to my life because (laughs) of this laugh, you know, it's like, uh, but yeah. So anyway, I, I think it is. (laughs) <laughs> the best medicine. <laughs> um, it. Well, it is a good medicine. No, it's just very. It's a nice supplement. It is a is. supplement. It's yeah. a, it's a it's a vitamin supplement to actual medicine. Correct. Laughing is good. Laughing is healthy. But we'll it go also, to a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> but if you have a problem, yeah, please. By all means, go to a doctor. I think you would probably you might enjoy. Do you watch any? It's not really a horror movie, but do you watch any horror stuff at all? Or is I, I'm it? terrified, because especially since having kids. I like I already couldn't watch horror, and then I had kids, and I was like, I cannot do it. Well, I have a, I have a movie that you might oh, enjoy no. that is not. 
It's technically not horror, but it's a Japanese film called One Cut of the Dead. Okay. And I don't want to tell you too much about it because it will spoil it, but it was a... But my wife and I watched this movie the other night, and it's probably my favorite movie of okay, the year so far. And it. as okay. a director, I think you will enjoy it, but I will caution you that the first 30 minutes of the movie, which, by the way, is all in one shot. Beautiful. You're going to go, what's going on? Okay. I don't know what this is. Okay, but I'm on this journey. I'm on this journey, and just stick with it, and then it will reveal itself to okay. you along the way. As a director, I think you will enjoy it. Okay, you have to, after this, you write it down for me. I will write it down for you, but it is, it is technically a Japanese zombie film. Okay. Technically. That's okay, because my husband really likes it. He'll, he'll dabble in a zombie yeah. uh, escape, so I will... But it is fun. Okay. Yeah. So that's all I'm going to tell you about it. I'm in. I think you will. I think you will Riveted. enjoy it. I will. I will write it Are down. Are we plugging this film? I guess um. in, a, in a way we just plugged the film. <laughs> I just. I just. It, it, we plugged in the way that we saw it, and I just want people to see it because Great. it was such an enjoyable. Because it's so hard. I mean, that's the other thing too with comedy is that it is. You know, it's. So I was talking to uh, a magician friend of mine, and I was like. So there's only a finite number of, of tricks, really. And he goes, yeah, but it's all in the presentation. And with comedy, too, it is like comedy is it's sleight of hand oh, and yeah, turns. Yeah, yeah. And it's once you see the trick, you know, it's why you you can listen to a song 100 million times, but you can't hear the same joke over and over. Yeah, I mean, but there's all like, I mean, it's same with story and writing. It's like there are, you know, a handful of like iconic story tropes that, you know, we dress in different ways. And it's just based on the human condition and right. proclivities to certain things that we're used to, you know, that, that are just historical, you yeah. know. So it's like, of course, there are you know, repeats there, right? Like, or at least like the skeleton of a joke sure, sure, sure. is not dissimilar from what you've heard, but it's the nature and the tone of the person who has, who's bringing, you know, it's your own experience that is. Um, well, that's why it's yeah. fun to watch like old comedy, like really old, you know, <laughs> Marx Brothers or, or, um, old, or old Steve Allen shows or whatever. And you go, oh, my God. That might be the first time. Jokes. Are, yeah, that might be the first time <laughs> yeah. someone recorded it. But really, a lot of core jokes are kind of yes. from the same place. And I just didn't know that when I heard my first, you know, whatever, Steve Martin album or whatever. Yeah, it is yeah. Because I didn't, hadn't, didn't, wasn't really that familiar with anything before that. Yeah. And then there's like, I love. Although he was pretty unique. No, I was going to say like alt, you know, and then it's like the alt comedians, you know, where. It's about delivery or it's a bit, you know, it's like less about what they're saying and it's more how or whatever. Right. You know, it's like taking classic jokes and, you know, just telling stories, but in a, in such a way that the payout is so much more profound because of how they said it. Like if somebody else said it wouldn't be as funny. Right, right, and, right. Um, you know, there's some jokes that are just like on their own, no matter who's going to say them, they're pretty solid. You know, it's yeah. like scientifically structured to be the joke versus like, because I always think of like Tig Notaro, like who's my friend, really good friend. And she wows me with how her stories are incredible, but it's also real. like not everybody can tell that story. It's no, only it's she her. It's her can, delivery and her persona. Yeah. And, and her... The pauses in which she sort of Her bit built. about introducing the Indigo Girls is one of my favorite uh, yeah. things in comedy. It's so good. And, like, 
no one else can do that. No know? one it's else can just, do that. Maria the, Bamford's the same way. It's yeah, like no oh one God, else could do Maria's do material. Like Maria can do Maria's mm-hmm. material. And that's that's really... yes, exactly because those are the, like that's art in its purest form. It's like the purest expression of who those people are. You know who they are. You know who they are, and you know that it's so unique that they have no competition with anyone else yeah. because they're so much themselves. Yeah. And as a performer, that's inspiring to watch because it's it's great to watch people become who they are and be the purest form of themselves on stage. Yeah, I mean, I that's why I think for comedy we're in an amazing time. You Absolutely. know, yeah, it's like so it's so it's so unique and so kind of like edgy you know it's like i'm excited to see there was a guy that dax just turned me on to i'm so sorry i'm not remembering his name he's a musician a one-man musician um he's kind of like i like i loved reggie watts when he was like doing his thing and i still adore him with all my heart and i love seeing him on cordon all the time um uh but he's really unique and profound and there's this other uh dude who's been doing it Uh, he's like He's a one-man show. He just played the Roxy. Mark Rebelette. Mark Rebelette. Yeah. He he basically, he has, like, his synthesizers, and he has his all of his um, accoutrement, his musical accoutrement, and he just sing. he, like, makes beautiful music, but then he'll, like, sing about, uh, he'll just be like, butthole. <laughs> you know, like, he'll sing about something very lewd and pervy, but, like, in a wonderful way. And it's so fun. Um, you could look up, like, Look at That Ass. That's one of his songs. <laughs> um, so, anyway, he's, he's like, delightfully pervy and um, super, super, uh, super unique. Well, and- that's the thing is that there's so, you know, the the old days of comedy that were basically, like, Eight super comics, you yeah, know? and it's like you're you're gonna find you have to kind of decide which one of these handful of people, this pantheon that you're gonna go towards. And I liked, you know, liked all of it. Oh, I, me too. Rich Pryor, Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy, yeah. Kennison, Seinfeld, yeah. Judy Tenuta, Emo Phillips. Like, like I liked every, I liked everyone. Now. There's so much variety <laughs> and so many platforms. Like, what type yeah. of comedy, you know? Like, you, do you well, like- that's, that's really exciting, too. Is like, initially, I think I was really intimidated by, you know, I'm classically trained. I went to drama school in England and I, you know, I studied, you know, to become an actor, you know, and like, I felt my mom had told me that's what you do in order to be an actor. Like, and I just sort of believed her because I'm just my mom. You know what I'm saying? Well, it seemed like um, it worked, by the way. And it worked. Yeah. But I'm just saying that I, you know, I came up working. I did years of conservatory training. <laughs> and I wanted to be in Hollywood doing fun stuff, you know. And so I spent 18, 19, 20, 21 all just training. And, um, and that is sounds real cool. But the point is, is like a lot of, you know, my other people who were very successful also started and like got to just come out and, you know, use the work as a training. And sure. I think that is honorable as well. And then even more so, but at the, you know, at the time when, when I was younger, I think like trying, when I started to kind of like try to get jobs and then I would lose them to someone who had a YouTube channel or something. Right. You know, when that first happened, my heart hurt a little bit where I was like, hey, wait a minute. You know what I mean? <laughs> I like, put in the time. Yeah. And then I realized especially as a as a director and as a producer, I was like starting to love some of these people that I was finding 
uh, in, literally on Instagram, YouTube, like I, I was now commending these incredibly um, innovative uh, and, and wonderfully ambitious people that knew that they had talent, didn't have any other way to kind of showcase themselves and then did and alas did it like um, sort of in a compelling way. Absolutely. And then I was like, this is great. Well, sure, because in the older days, you had to fit into a pre-existing structure or hope that someone could yeah, see you in a pre-existing a structure. Too. And now every person can kind of create that structure and, do, and and find a direct connection to their audience for whatever unique thing that they do. And that's magical. It is also scary at the same time because you, when you when you're like, Oh my god! There's so many performers. How do I? How do I? Sure. But then that just is. But but the, you that's will just get your responsibility you are, to be yeah, innovative. It, it is, and I think it, everyone is unique, whether you like it or not. So you, it's like, <laughs> like if you unique. try to be other people, you know, that's the thing is like if you put yourself out there and you're trying to be somebody else, like you do what somebody else is doing, that doesn't work. But if you're deeply original, you will get noticed. I just feel like originality and uniqueness gets rewarded if it's committed and earnest and like raw, you know? So there are people who are doing characters and it's like, you know, there's nowhere to hide kind of, they're just like right there in your face and they're kind of putting themselves out there. And that's, I find that really compelling. But you know, I came up in a time where it was like, and also I, I was in a country, I should say, to, in England, you know, it, there is literally, a, a there is very direct rules, at least there was one coming up. Like, you know, I was 18 and my mom said, you go to England to study. And I went and I auditioned for drama schools and I, you know, I was told and educated very quickly that in England, how it works is you no one's getting hired unless you've gone to drama school. Mm-hmm. So the, the, you can't get an audition. You can't get an agent to look at you unless you've gone to drama school. Right. So you go to drama conservatory. You then have a showcase. And then an agent may or may not pick you up or and also other theater reps and things like that come and see it. Yep. And then you get put into theater if you're lucky you know and if you get a rep then you you know but literally you were and in england it was like you if you said that oh well you know i'm starting to be an actor like it wasn't like fucking (laughs) good luck you mean studying to be a waitress you know (laughs) do you know it's like well in america that's how it is you know what i mean it there it's like oh well that's interesting you know my daughter's being a doctor you know it's like it was like at the level of like doctor lawyer actor i don't know know? if you're aware you drifted a little into emma thompson and i'm i really appreciated (laughs) it super i really appreciated um thank you uh but no i think that that was really interesting and probably really helpful to grow up in you know and to come up in a in in a town where it was respected like that was nice right because then it was like i came to la right after that and it was kind of like you know, a little like get your tits out. You yeah. know what I mean? It was yeah. kind of like I went to drama school. That's great. That's yeah, great. yeah, yeah. Put on a push-up bra. Literally, right. it was. I remember there was like, I I would go when I first got here. I was told in England, and this is the audition training as they send you out into the world. Like, you are to come in all black and no like makeup. You know, you're clean, open, but you're and you're a canvas, right? right? Clean canvas. So when you go into any audition. Um, especially theater. But this, 
So I like came to kind of like I don't know. I was like auditioning for like Felicity, you know, like. <laughs> at the time. And I, I am a blank canvas. Yeah, I am a blank canvas. <laughs> and um, I had a manager that was hip pocketing me, who was amazing, and she ended up being my manager for many years. And um, and you know, she was like, you know, they said, you know, I think there was a there was a comment about my coming in and looking dour or something. <laughs> And and they didn't get it, and they were just kind of like, she's a pretty girl, but like, what's the deal with the like? Is was she at a funeral? You know, <laughs> and so, <laughs> and and I was like, no, I just and I told her my theory on you know being a blank canvas, and she was like, oh, honey, <laughs> she's like, this is Los Angeles. She's like, you have to walk in and look exactly like you're about to shoot it. You gotta like, show you, up like a painted canvas. Yeah, you're a painted canvas. You gotta, you, I need the she, and I, she's like. You got to wear makeup. And I was like, like, what level? I was like, like, mascara. You know, I was like, are we talking like, because that's like for me, like a, a hot, very high level. Sure. If there's mascara involved. Sure. Um, and she was like, oh, mascara, lip gloss, push up bra, the whole thing. <laughs> and I was like, so what? So, but if I'm playing somebody who's like at a funeral, like there was one time I really was going in and I was mourning and I was crying and everything. And, and. Um, she's like, even if it's at as a funeral, you have to look beautiful, <laughs> like gorgeous, you know. And I was just like, oh, okay. So it was just funny. She's like, even if you're like a, you know, an addict and you're a victim and it's a thing, you're gorgeous. You yeah. had makeup and gorgeous and the whole thing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Jesus. You may right. be passed out in an alley, but yeah. you still had time to if put on rouge. you're dead, you're yeah. going to be gorgeous. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, all right. Oh, my Jesus So Christ. I switched it up and, you know, I got a couple callbacks and, uh, you know, it was just like, I did get a callback for Felicity, but I did not get the job. God damn it. <laughs> But it. I thought I, I thought I had made it. I was like, oh my god, can I have one of these? Yeah, yeah, of course you can have you can have an icebreaker. Uh, Although I feel like we've already broken the ice. Uh, uh, good night, you guys. This good night. Is been a great that was it. That was it. The credits. But I I do think that that was your path, and what's so exciting now is that there are infinite paths. Yes. And totally. Even just in the way that, not even in just a lot of different you know styles of comedy. But also platform-specific comedy. Like, you know, comedy on TikTok is totally different than comedy on Instagram, which is right. different than comedy on YouTube, which is different than yeah, yeah, yeah. longer form, you know? Yeah. And now even television exper- experimenting, Podcast. you know, in the last handful of years with podcasts are like... 11 minute episode you know it's like there's no real rules anymore and I love that I think that's why I was curious about network comedy because I was like okay I know there's a lot of rules there and I've always found even in independent film you know there are limitations and I actually think limitations breed great creativity I a a thousand percent agree yeah and and I think I think I kind of I'm not like afraid of them I kind of welcome them you Mm -hmm. know I'm kind of like all right well, if we can't do X, Y, and Z, what about B, Q, and R, mm-hmm. you know? And 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 that is an exciting task, you know, to take on in any form. But certainly in this, you know, in this creative space. It's like within the indie movies, it was always like we don't have enough money, mm-hmm. you know? Um and we can't we can't do this and we can't do this shot or we can't get this, you know, rig and you know, it's just it's usually that or we don't have enough days, so we can't sure. set up for the but with my show, it's not – it's less about money and it's more about like 
S&P, you know, yep. standards and practices or um, – uh, which I'll never understand fully. Um, so Dax is, can't show his butthole in this episode. I know why so saying, though, but yeah, why? This is a mess America we want to bless. I don't understand. See Everyone has butthole. a butthole. I don't get yes. it. Yeah. Well, I will say there is a va- there is a major major issue. I, I don't know, like not buttholes aside. I think um, I I really don't understand. I, I I'm not going to like soapbox it too much, but I do feel like standards and practices in general are confusing on television because everybody talks about this, but th- something's got to give a little bit. You've got you've got all these TV shows that are showing extreme violence. Oh yeah. To so like we they always talk about like you can almost Instead of seeing, I don't know who was just talking about this, but they were saying you can like, you can't show a mouth on a boob, but you can show a boob getting chopped off, basically. Do you know what I'm saying? That, like, you know what? That's exactly, you know, a fr- years ago, a friend of mine did visual effects for a procedural drama. Uh, and there was an episode where they had to, there was like um, a murdered lady on the floor, like super murdered. Super like, murdered. You know, like Blood. basically just cut up, and they're like, "Can you just like blur out her nipple a little bit?" It's like, "Oh, oh she's, my dead, God. she's dead on the." And you know, it's like on, on on Walking Dead all the time. You know, like you can't say you know, like they can't swear; they can say shit. Oh, that's dope. But they can't. <laughs> I you wish know, I can say shit. You know, zombie apocalypse would be like, "What the fuck is going?" Oh, you yeah. can't say fuck, but you can watch someone's guts being ripped out. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like the. And, and, I think the gun thing, too. It's sort of like, you know, you got, look, whether you like it or, like, whatever your politics, like, you know, I just feel like clearly we've got an issue with violence in this country, you know? Yeah. And, you know, to show guns being wielded by people in a kind of heroic or, like, glamorizing the badass. But boobs of, are the enemy. Yeah, but, yeah, it's like that seeing that over and over again. It's ridiculous. And just infused in all of our cultural, you know, our sort of, like, media ingestion is insane. And then just to show, like, sexual connection between two humans, like, that that's the enemy. Like, I just don't get it. I, I think it's just, again, I think it just boils down to... I really want to know, I really want to understand why, though. Like, I don't, you know, when, like, we had an episode and I'm, like, in a bra or whatever, and it's, like, super chill bra, okay? And this is, like, you know, it's, like, the it, they're looking at, first of all, they're a little pervy, okay? Because they <laughs> their notes come back and they go frame by frame. They're noticing shit that, like, I am, like, Y'all are fucked up over there. <laughs> like, yeah. what are you doing? But they're like nitpick. They're stopping at every frame, and they're looking to see as if someone's gonna notice like an under boob or slight. I'm yeah. telling you guys, we're talking like very little. And, and then that's where the devil gets in. Yeah, that's where the devil gets in, or something. And then it's like we have to pay for VFX to like cover that. I mean, it's really like extensive. It really, I think, because you know, network television is still overseen by the FCC. Cable is not. Cable is. It- but I don't understand. I genuinely, I'm not an. I am an intelligent person. I'm trying really hard to understand I, the this why. Is, this is what I have gleaned from the long and the short of it. And at cable television, there they opt into an S and P for sponsors. But network television, because it is technically like broadcast, yes, you know, over the air broadcast, um, 
the way that it works and the way why the rules seem confusing and unclear is because I think it's just if the community complains, then it's taboo. And more people will complain about a side boob than a gun in this country. Right. And because it uh, it allows them to feel like they, you know, whatever sort of puritanical idea makes them feel like they're good people or have like, oh, I'm going to, you know. And so if people complain, that's where they have to go, okay. And people, more people complain about boobs than guns, I guess, in television. But it is illegal to shoot someone. It is not illegal to be in a bra. I a thousand percent agree with you. That's just, I think it's just because they are bound by what the community will bear. Right. And that is what... Society, like, That's I what society, yeah. right. you know, like more people are going to complain about Janet Jackson's nipple than, right. you know, people, you know, being shot a hundred times on television because that is it's just, I, I don't know. That's my guess is that it's, it's the amount of people that will complain about something and the FCC has to go, okay, you know... I guess we gotta find these people. I mean, I don't know if that's there was there was something else like they had there was an, a figurative line drawing kind of Matisse esque in the backdrop of in the background of a it was like a framed you know random art piece yeah. or something um, in the back of a, a take that they wanted us to emit VFX. Now this is it's a figurative nude that I cannot even it's so small I can't even see it I don't know why I'm like bitching about this right now because I I love my show and it's just I'm just trying to it's more me trying to you're trying to understand like why you'd have to blur one of the a famous piece of art or just it's not even it was just like so figurative I I I was like I don't even see damn boobies in there like I don't even that is job preservation that is someone who you know, listen, everyone, especially in this, in this fast-changing and evolving television landscape, which in the next three years is going to evolve and change so dramatically. I do dramatically, think that's true. I think that... Everyone's afraid of losing their job. I so know. no one... So that person, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here, and I'm not saying I agree with it, but the person who says, let's blur that Matisse, in their mind, they're going, okay, look, I'm going to play the odds here. If I don't blur that, and someone complains, right. and then the network comes back to me and go, how the fuck does this get through? And then that person isn't going to be able to save their job by saying, but it's art, you know? Like, they're just, they're afraid they're going to get fired. And yet someone left a coffee cup in the Game of Thrones. <laughs> I just, it's like, I'm just like, we got to get our S&P guys on the HBO checkers. Like, because our, our gals and guys over at S&P are hawks, okay? Yeah. They yeah. are not going to miss anything. Um, also, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, of all networks... ABC is owned by Disney. It's probably sure. the most family sure. friendly of the, and so they're gonna they're gonna always just take the most precautions of yeah. everything. And so I agree with you. I also do understand that a lot of it is just people being terrified of losing their jobs and trying yeah. to protect their jobs. And okay, well let's just do this so that we so no one can say anything. Yeah, you know. I mean, I will give them credit because I, I here's what I'll say: the the episode that's coming up Tuesday, the, tomorrow night, um, is I don't know when this is airing, but the point is, um, that is about sex mm-hmm. in a relationship, and we, you know, there is there is like 
you know, making out or whatever. And there's a bra, there's like some clothes coming off and stuff like that. And it's, you know, we're 830 slot. I just was happy that <laughs> I kept being like, look, if we're going to talk about sex. They need like the married couple in this in this show needs to like look like they're married. about to yeah. or. Yeah. So, you know, I do. I'm grateful that we could at least tell that story because I was kind of concerned that it would be hard to do that. And so right. they did – I think the episode's great and super excruciatingly real for, <laughs> for given that we don't actually, like, do it or anything. But it's, like, there's a lot of really fun juice in there um, just about, you know, being in a relationship and then having the sex wane and, like, what does that mean and, you know, all that stuff that we all kind of relate to. But it's, like – I, I'm really proud of the writing in that. Well, one. and I also think that you know those like people who watch it, people who watch, they know the di- they can tell even if they can't verbalize it when something is authentic and yeah. something is lying to them. You know, it was it's like, very- oh, I'm not buying this. Like even if even if it's like a subconscious dissonance that they're feeling, yeah, people know. And so again, that's just your that's your um, that's the task that you have now is. How can I infuse as how can I creatively infuse as much authenticity into this with these parameters parameters that we yeah. have? And again, that's just the game of network television. Yeah, and it's I do find it to be kind of an interesting game to play, and I I do think that there's a beautiful currency that I'm very grateful to have in in reaching that many people to to be able to you know have. Anyone, like families, like you said, like kids and then Grammys and everybody in between, like all watch the show and get something out of it, you know? Yeah. And I think it's also good, too, because, listen, if it's difficult, it can it can be challenging for someone to say, I'm just going to only, you know, I'm just only going to work in indie because at a, cer- it, it, at a certain point it can be, you know, because you're going to have to make enough each time. I know. And so if, so, but if you, if you're working on a higher profile thing... Not only are you reaching more people, but it just creates a momentum that allows you to do sure. more of the personal projects that you want to do because the, the because of the business. It's like, oh, people know Lake Bell. She's let's throw money at this yeah. thing and let's let her do more of her thing because people like her. It just it it just allows you more options and more freedom to keep doing the stuff that you want to do. So I concur. I mean, I think also just, um, yeah, it's been really inspiring. It's like you always say, you know, if you want to get anything done, ask a busy person. You know what I mean? And I feel like I've, I'm already developing so many projects and, you know, other TV projects, but then, you know, for streaming and then I have other things, you know, other features that I want to make that are all sort of percolating in different states of ready. And I feel like that... You know, it's like creativity also sort of inspires more, right? So it's it's like more self-generating kind of opportunities kind of start to percolate. Yeah, because then you evolve and then I think the position that you're in and I think it's important to recognize when you're in that position is, you know, you go from the trying to build, trying to build and then... Then at a certain point it tips and then you become the person that has to decide which option to yes, choose, yeah. which is a different skill set yeah. with a different set of pressures and stresses because, gosh, you don't always know. And, you know, when you're young, you, you just think I got to take everything to make it all. And then you get to a place where you're like, no, I can't take everything. I have no, to make, I now I have to make Precious smart choices. Time, yeah. And what are those choices and what yeah. does get my energy? And that's, that's, a, that's a, and a whole new set of challenges. For sure. And I think, you know... That, that that is where I am for sure, and I I feel like also there's only so many hours of the day. Like, what what do you want to do on your hiatus? You and know? you have it's kids, like, and I have kids, yeah. and I want to see them, and and I want to be a good mom. You know, I want to 
kick butt at that too, you know, and I love, I just, you know, learning, I genuinely get a lot of sustenance of just like good comedy inspiration from them. And, um, and I'm very like, I'm a gooey mom, you know, I, I might (laughs) like, I do kick some butt when I'm at work and I'm very like efficient and like, you know, kind of on the front foot, but at, at home, I'm very sort of like, smushy and i feel like (laughs) um that's an important part of my uh, personality that i need to express and um and so yeah i think uh you know especially when you do have kids it's like you're you better love what you're fucking doing and you better you know whatever choice i make that they come into it as well also it's like i'm a family my husband has you know like his his projects and his life that he's sort of building as well and so we have to make these decisions together like i can't when i was single or didn't have kids i could be like yeah i'm gonna go shoot a movie in tunisia you know for a year you know whatever like you know it's like if i do that i'm like oh i can still do that but i have to like clear it with four people yeah and then but then the flip side of that is when you do have all that freedom a lot of the time what you're thinking about is like That'd be really great to just have a someone that I love that loves me. But you know, it's like like that sort of you know because sometimes when people people that I know that sort of feel like oh I don't know I just I feel like I'm just you know claustrophobic. It's like yeah, but when you had all the freedom in the world, you hated it. Yeah, you know because you you want it's it feels good to be a part of something and it feels good to have special people in your life that you care about that care about you and so that idea of like I could just. I could just get, get a bug out bag and I could just go fucking off, fuck off to Canada for like six. And I'm like, yeah, but then you'd be miserable there. You know, like it well, doesn't. My husband totally loves having bug out bags and go fucking off to go places. <laughs> and he does. And he's done a 10 day trip in Alaska. But you build it with your team and sure. you make sure that everybody can do the things that they want to do in life. Well, I think and that's that, nice. Yeah, there's like a happy medium, right? So like if you have those things, you're oh, fucking want to just, then you can fucking want to just do a lot of things and do it. You just have to make sure that everybody's yeah. protected. And I just feel like I also have those feelings and I would like to go and fucking, you know, go to Africa. I want to go to Japan. I want, there's a lot of things I want to do. But now my thing is, okay, how do I build an opportunity to make that happen so I can bring my family? Yeah, you know? <laughs> which is great because then that might be a, a project that, you know, because you're working within those parameters, yeah. then again, that's sort of creative problem solving. Yeah, I know. Like, how, do I, how do I multitask this and make it serve, you know, we can take the kit. By the way, you should go to Japan. It's fucking amazing. I cannot wait. Um, and, never uh, been. We never went there been. on our honeymoon and it was Did the you? best. Did yeah, you? Yeah. It was, it was really incredible. I can't wait. It's when, like... you, when you go, like, spend a few days in Tokyo, see Shibuya, see like all of the Tokyo stuff, go to the Tsukiji fish market, but then also just get out and I want, see... Yeah. Traditional gorgeous countryside Japan. Um, you will eat a lot of fish faces. We ate so many fish faces. Faces, faces, yeah, because they because they'll just you have these several course meals and it's just the whole fish. And so we kind of got into this thing of like, okay, you got to eat the face. It's on there. You You know, eat the face. We don't have to, but but it is part of it. No, yes, no. If I'm there, listen, I am gonna jump in. I'm gonna eat a lot of eat a lot of fish faces or whatever you got to do. I'm gonna just be very yes. But I, I I also think that you're an exceptional role model as someone who just kind of does whatever sounds fun to them. Because I was I read that. I didn't know this about you, but it said that I read that you write a column about automotive stuff. 
And, and that is just that that's a perfect like she doesn't have to do this. It's clearly something that she just likes doing. Yeah. And that is the best type of life to build. Yeah. And I, I, I did to clarify, I did a, um, a car column called Test Drive uh, with Bell, um, uh, for The Hollywood <laughs> Reporter for like a year and a half or so. And, my, you know, that comes from a place of my my. My dad is a, a race car enthusiast and racetrack owner, and so I grew up in and around that world. And I had, you know, I do have a lot of interest, you know, interior design, you know, in architecture. It, there are things that are just specific to me that I wanted to kind of, in you know, uh, sort of investigate and express. And so, um, the author, I guess, the Hollywood Reporter at the time had gotten wind that I, you know, my dad had did that and I grew up in that world and and that I was an enthusiast and so they offered that and so I did like a comedic kind of um, more anecdotal yeah. you know um, experiential kind of uh, column about it it was great I used to have like cars that were delivered to me for the week and then I could test drive them so I'd oh, be like I look like a badass like when my husband was dating we were first dating and I was like oh yeah I just had this Maserati for the week so <laughs> I don't know we could take my car your car whatever it doesn't matter yeah yeah it's no big deal um you know it just it was it was fantastic and then um yeah and and so I agree I I really want to it's harder with kids you know to be like hey I just want to do this thing or whatever right. and follow those whims but I think that is and my husband's the same way he really does follow whatever unique e- interests that even are not on brand, like particularly what's on brand is to be off brand. You know what well, I mean? That's what, you know, like my, my wife gave me the best piece of sort of design philosophy because I would get really locked into like, well, you know, the house that we live in is Spanish and so right. it should have this. And she goes, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. Yes. You don't let the room – and, you know, granted, we don't have a bunch of modern shit in our house – um, but, uh, she said, you pick what you like and because you like it, that's how it, it works. all works together. And that's how all the pieces talk to each other. But that's also, you have, you're, you're, you have a natural sort of, um, design sense, right? So it's like your eye is, is specific. And if you have a specific and original eye, even that you might pick something that's mid-century and you pick something that's like neoclassical or whatever, sure. and then it, it just works, you know? But my mom would teach me the same thing, which is like, you don't have to be like, everything is, you know, East Lake, you right. know? And right, it's like, right, well, right. that doesn't, that just, that would look boring, you know? And it would look like you're in <laughs> yeah, on a you set. You throw the so. East Lake knobs on, yeah. you throw some hinges on, they're just Get little, a just little uh, detailing. Yeah, little detailing. So people go, oh, wow, that's a really intricate hinge. Yeah, well, like, East well, Lake. I'm paying attention. But it, but I think it does sort of encapsulate. <laughs> like tramp art in there, a little, a little like folk, uh, folk art with a little like, you know, sort of modernism. I like yeah, it. But it, but it, but it sort of, I think it speaks to kind of the larger thing that we were talking about is not not only, you know, like YouTubers creating their own thing and not fitting into a system, but sort of like the the becoming of Maria Bamford and the becoming of Tig, where you sort of the again the more yourself you are, yes. and the more you know and express those things, the those make you the unique creature that you're you award, are. You will be awarded exactly, and so rewarded. that's that's why again, what what your husband's doing and what you're doing, it's like yeah, I'll write about cars, and then I'll do this, and then I'm directing, and then I did this network show, but I also like doing these intimate films. Yeah. It's like all of those things together make you the most unique th- thing that you are, 
And that, I think, is the takeaway for anyone who wants to be a creator. It's like explore every facet of what you're into and it might change and you can try stuff for a while and then try different stuff later and then... And then unite all those disciplines to become, you know, like this sort of cross-platform yeah, creature. Because I agree. I think people do get rigid and, well, this is kind of who I created. You know, it's like this is my brand or this is my – Yeah. And, and by the way, people who are very um, – that's a choice, right? People who are like this is who I am and they like kind of focus in and zero in on like a, a an image, yeah. you know, and, and a breadth of, you know – of work, you know, that, that can be also very, um, you know, fruitful. Sure. Um, the commitment, the staunch and like, like fierce commitment to a very specific angle, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but it's not like, I don't know that I could ever be that. Pr- and I struggled <laughs> with that a lot because I was like, shit, man, like a lot of the people that I admire, you know, were, people very uh focused on a certain thing um and tone or whatever it is you know so it it is interesting like i think about like miranda july i think she's fantastic i look up to her so much i know her but i also i'm just like fuck it i look up to her too you know and i i find her from afar i look at her the way that she puts herself together from just, you know, her daily kind of persona, which she curates to put out into the world is very specific. I mean, she's an artist. So, and then the movies she, she writes and directs and stars in are incredibly, um, on her brand, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, and very focused and tonally, um, uh, thoughtful, um, uh, and and disciplined in a way, you know? And so, but she's, you know, within the construct of her world and her sort of bubble, she is deeply sort of wild and 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 kind of like, uh, you know, free within that, in the spirit of who Miranda Jai is. So for her, I mean, I look up to her in that way, but I don't know that I am that, you know, it's like, and I've let myself, you know, it's okay, you know, yeah, it's like yeah, I'm yeah. Lake, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm not her. Um but I I do I can admire her in that way, you know. And I think even, you know, I think about Tig again, very very sort of like she has a very specific way she, um, you know, sort of writes and performs and the kinds of things she chooses to do. You know, it's very and and, and yeah, but yeah. Then you get excited about that when you go. I I I think I understand what her point of view is, and I'm excited to see how it how that Evolves. takes on. Yeah. This, uh, these new topics or these other things. Yeah, because, or mediums. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. It's sort of like that friend that you're excited to talk to about a yeah. movie or something because you just want to, you know, that they're going to be funny when they talk about it and you just want to hear them yes. apply that filter to that. Yeah. And then it's like, in the same breath, it's like, as a filmmaker, you know, I think about like Martin Scorsese or something like that. It's like, I, I always loved that he did um, King of Comedy, which is such a funny film. Um, and it just was so unexpected in a way because he's such a badass motherfucking like, mm-hmm. you know, he's so good at, at, you know, sort of drama and violence and like, you know, just he's just he's a he's he's a master, you know, and yet him taking on comedy, which is so this, this is like an obviously an old movie, but I was really encouraged by that and inspired by that movie because it was like, oh, you can do. You can do it all. You don't have to say, well, I only do dramas. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> okay. and I feel like that is because I think 
Hollywood does that a lot. They're like, well, she only does X, right? Well, yes, she's a comedy girl now. It's you easier know? for them to put people in boxes to because there's so many people. Just go, oh, this person does this. This person does that. But that's why the people who really pop, I think, get to constantly surprise you. We're moving around. And so, you know, as we're sort of winding this down, I would love to yeah. hear your take or your advice for people who are having an identity crisis or trying to figure out or feel stuck or feel like, well, I do like these couple things, but I don't really know because you are definitely someone who has figured out how to manifest Mm -hmm. things in the real world. And that's a skill. Well, I think that the, the, there's something like I, cause I talk about this a lot with like people, you know, cause I'm on the board of women in film and I talk to a lot of like, like mentors and people. And I, I do think that, uh, Writing seems to be people's like freakiest thing. They're yeah. always like, "Oh my god, like I want to write, but like, how do you do it?" And I'm like, "Oh, oh, 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 you gotta, you gotta write." You know, it's like first things first, you so gotta I just, show. I just start. You gotta show up, yeah. and I think that people, especially in this day and age, and this is a little bit like the kids these days. But I'm just saying, like you. You know, people almost are afraid of the simplicity of that answer, which is like. You do, like, the way that people get things done is doing them. Mm -hmm. You can't talk about it. And you can't look at other people doing it. You have to take it upon yourself to fail and sit down and show up at your computer. And you have to believe in yourself enough to excruciatingly uh, fail or put, you know, put things out there that, you know, it's like you got to do your first draft of anything. So nobody ever writes a first draft that's, you know, the final draft, you know? Or, and even, so, or even if you – and I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I just want to interject into yeah. there that if, for people who are like, well, yeah, but if I don't think I'm good enough to do it, then I would say, well, just do it anyway. Oh, yeah. Do it in spite of the fact oh, that you yeah. feel you that You suck. Way. It's not going to be good. Whatever. Yeah. But it's also like you – People also have to remember that they're, they're everybody who's like like fancy, fantastic writer or whatever, um, or generator of anything, of content, of story. Nobody just shows up with it. Yes, there are idea there are idea spikes that happen um, that are cyclical, and I think any creative kind of knows what I'm talking about. Where it's like you have a little cycle of of like I have moments like where I have nothing. I got nothing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean. And that could last for, like, months. But then it's, like, there's one week or even, like, three days where I'm just, like, what the fuck did I eat? Like, everything. I'm lying in bed. I can't help it. I got to write some shit down. You know, I'm in the shower. I'm peeing. I'm in the bath. I'm every. I'm cooking lunch for my kid. I've got ideas galore. But only for those two, two days. Yeah. It's those two days. And then – and they're all over the place. Literally, I feel like I have – my slate of projects for like the next 10 years that all came from like three days, like back, like, I don't know, like five years ago, you know, and it's interesting. It's like when you have those moments, even though you're like, oh, this is funny, like, listen to those moments. You have to like cherish them, like keep a notepad, keep your notes, the little notes thing on your phone, whatever it is, take little voice notes, anything keep write it down and take it seriously because those little waves don't happen a lot and you got to listen to them 
And then it's like if you feel like, oh, I'm just like Fartville, USA, I got nothing, <laughs> then don't worry about that either because you just got to show up and look back on those notes when you did have something good and start to just like outline, just like, you know, just like outlines are awesome. You know, it's like just like stream of conscience. I don't know. Here's a scene. This makes no sense. It does, well, it's not the start of a, of a movie. Well, it doesn't matter. It's a scene and it's interesting and it might lead somewhere. You know, it's like. Giving yourself credit to be a little messier. Yes, and and again, I think you're also also talking about showing up every, you know, consistently because I think you have to show up consistently to have to get the machine working so that you have that three days because it's like you can't you don't drop a seed in the ground and go where's the fruit you have to water it every day and then it's boring for a long oh, time so boring. and then all of a sudden one day you're like holy shit lemons but this is also something I want to say for all the moms in the house and all the dads uh, too who are like working dads or like you know participatory and moms and all this stuff the, you, you like y- if you don't have the time because there's a lot of people who are like well I just don't have the time you mm-hmm. know you don't have to show up every day. You have to show up for – there has to be a block, though, together that has some consistency. So if that means you only have really two hours when the kid's napping, like that's really – instead of like doing laundry and building lunches or making bottles or whatever it is, if you give yourself just two hours a day consistently, that might be your schedule or it might be like, hey – family, I need three days. I'm going for a, quote, writer's retreat, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And that means you can go home at night and stuff and be home for bedtime or be there for mornings. Um, But it just means you're going to your proverbial office Mm -hmm. or like, you know, your office in the sky, if that means like it's a coffee shop or whatever. And you just show up for yourself and you don't even fucking, you do not even think about it until you get to that space that's the workspace. And you do like three day kind of writer's retreats, Mm -hmm. you know, and you give yourself that opportunity and you know, to to generate thought. And usually the first day is kind of bunk, but then the second and third day are kind of interesting. And yeah. comes of it. Yeah, when you chip away at it a little bit at a time, yeah. it does, over time, really add up in an yeah. incredible way. And lastly, I just would love to, you know, because there's just so much toxicity in the world, then we sort of open talking about positivity and comedy and, like, giving people a, a little bit of a harbor... Just a quick thing that you're joyful about, like what brings you joy? I mean, obviously your kids. Is there, is there, you know, any, anything, anything? Oh, that's so funny. Um, I, I mean, I know it's so cliche. I mean, my, the, the, the kid thing is big, though, because <laughs> we can't just like roll over it. Because then you are like, it's so hard having kids. It's so hard. <laughs> I find it so hard. Um so I need to kind of give myself uh, emotional cookies about it and remember all the good stuff because, you know, it's like my kids really like fought, like they really fought out of the gate, you know, and it was just difficult. And so I'm finding a lot of joy <laughs> in them coexisting uh, very peace- peacefully. Um, and, uh, and I, and I do, I give, I, I have to just like, I have to pray. I'm just like so grateful with every ounce of my soul and being for that. It is like joyous. Um, and my son who had a really rough start, like the, just the two of them just kind of 
like enjoying each other. It's like that's the investment that you kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, lean into. And at the first two and a half years, my husband and I are like, we fucked up. This is a terrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> this is like not good. Seriously, like what have we done? And then, you know, it's finally we're seeing the light where oh, they're good. just like so good to each other. So that and then like super warm, sexy chocolate chip cookies mm-hmm. fresh out of the oven, which I've just experienced. And it, it's like, the joy. I'm literally salivating. Um, the, the joy <laughs> of that is really special because I don't. I don't cheat a lot with my. I eat very well, and and um, the just the beauty of like I like very doughy, soft mm-hmm. chocolate chip cookies that are not like crunchy. Everyone's like, I like them crunchy. I'm like, fuck you, and yeah. like just leave. You know, it just hugs every crevice of your. Yeah, mouth. I just like that, and then it's just like. Yeah, that really makes me happy. I'm glad to hear that. It was, you know, we've never actually, I've mean, been at a lot of the same functions. Yes. We know a hundred of the same people. <laughs> we've never had How a did we I know, this is. I don't know, because I think sometimes when you see people a lot and you think, what am I going to do? Go up and just talk their ear off? Like, I don't know if they want to hear from me. You know, well, like, now we're and doing now, it. And now we've done it. And I so appreciate that we did. We're both designers. I mean, I just, I just think of you as such an inspirational artist. And and, uh, and it's been an absolute pleasure to have this <laughs> conversation you. with you. Thank you. And I'm glad to know you. And you live, we live near each other. Yeah, so it's okay. yeah. So uh, come over. and We're going to be friends. we got a pool. <laughs> you bring the kids, you know. you got an extra office here? I need a writing office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on. Seriously. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, thanks. The end. Oh, and the watch. Bless this mess, oh, which is on Tuesday nights on ABC. Yeah, oh God, I terrible. I should have, well, well, I should we'll have led with that. Okay. Too. Yeah. Okay, good. ID 10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. 